to another episode of This Is What Blind Looks Like. So for today, we have a special guest. And I'm going to let Kimberly introduce that special guest. So Kimberly, take it away. Hey everyone, um, this is Hugh and he is on here and going to be talking about sonification and a lot of people don't know what that is or have never heard about it before and Hugh here is going to be talking about what exactly that is, how it pertains to the blind um, and I got connected with Hugh through a study working with blind people trying to get their feedback on how to get sonification involved in other podcasts or other news outlets in how to get it so that information can be relayed to the blind in a blind friendly format such as audio. So thank you Hugh for coming on and why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself. Hi Kimberly, hi Angie. Um so you might be able to tell from the accent that uh, I didn't grow up in America. I'm originally from the north of Ireland Ooh. and I came to the US 12 years ago. Uh, my background was working in film and uh, you know I ran a film and animation studio in Ireland. And when I came here, I started working in the area of data. Like, how can we take, you know, city data, environmental data, data became a really big thing recently with COVID-19, data became, access to timely data became like a life or death issue for a while. And so, you know, data is also the kind of underbelly or currency of the, the web, like how things are paid for, how things work you know, kind of, you know, Facebook's a data company underneath, so's Netflix. Uh, it's the value. It's, it's kind of what tells you about an audience, what helps businesses make decisions, and what helps governments and cities create policy is all um, based on data. Increasingly, a lot of decisions are data-driven, they're also automated, so data ties into things like artificial intelligence, etc. But, you know, because I come from uh, multimedia storytelling, and what I mean by that is sound as well as images, it takes about five seconds in playing with data to realize that it's all images and no sounds. And so the this is a long-winded way of explaining that the process of sonification that Kimberly mentioned is basically the process of taking data. What I mean by data is like spreadsheets. You know, you have different columns, you have different values, you have different information. The standard process for dealing with that information or communicating that information is pretty much 100% visual. So they'll take that data, turn it into a chart, a graph, maybe an interactive map, but all of those things are visual and silent. 
And what sonification does is it takes that same information and turns it into sound or music kind of notes where, you know, if the notes rise in pitch, the data is going up. If they descend in pitch, the data is going down. So essentially, they take the information and represent it with sound, sounds instead of pictures and images. And, you know, that information can be understood if it's done properly, just in the same way that a graph or a chart could be understood as a representation of that data. And where I come from in all of this is I don't think that sonification by itself is a great solution for anything or everything. I think that sonification opens us up to broader conversations around how do we effectively paint a picture without using pictures? How do we make audio storytelling as rich as it can be? How do we you know, increase efforts for diversity and inclusion and accessibility? And how do we do a better job with how we interact with computers going forward? Because in the past, the way our interfaces have been designed, uh, they're designed very badly. We've been using the same interface, a 2D screen, a mouse, and a keyboard for over 50 years. And now the technologies are kind of catching up and new things are possible and people don't just sit at a desk to do their work anymore. They walk around, they move around. New interfaces are becoming possible, and the sonification opens up a possibility to take a deep breath or a pause and start thinking about uh, how we could deliver data or information in new ways with new techniques that... Uh, are more inclusive and maybe add different kinds of value. Yes, I once I heard about sonification, I didn't really know anything about it. And I liked how you, Hugh, explained how spreadsheets are so like, it's so hard to navigate them and get to the information you want to get to with JAWS or a screen reader or something like that. It might be one fact that you're trying to find one average and trying to get around it with JAWS and stuff just is tedious and takes a long time. And that way with sonification, you can get the differences in the rates in which things change and things like that. Like I know you mentioned how like there could be a bunch of trees in a park and they could be all outlined in a spreadsheet. Well, that's not going to help someone in a spreadsheet to know like where all the trees in the park are or something like that. Do you want to like kind of expand on that? I know I'm not explaining it the best. No, that's a that's a very good explanation. You know, 
unless you're an accountant, really, spreadsheets are not a great way to describe anything, to be honest. And and that's not just for you know B, the BVI community. That that's for everyone else. They're they're not a they have the information, but they're not a great way of getting people interested in that information. And one of the things I've learned working with uh, BVI advisors on the project that we're doing this year is they very clearly articulated to me the difference between accessibility and usability, which is something I hadn't really thought so much about before, where, you know, every city in the US and most cities globally publish their data. They have what's called open data portals where you can go in there and find all the data that the city collects about traffic or housing or, you know, normal city stuff. Also trees in a park, like you just mentioned, or, you know, the environment, that kind of stuff. But when you go into these portals that are supposed to be empowering and open, you find that, you know, a lot of these portals are just just a big trove of spreadsheets, one after the other, not very well organized or labeled or, you know, there isn't a lot of standardization there. In the data, it seems to be everyone that uploads a spreadsheet does it differently. And in some of the other portals, there's it's even worse because all of the data is put on a map, which for you know people that are coming from a BVI perspective, it, it makes the information impossible to use or, or to understand. And what a lot of... Uh, our advisors have talked about is where sonification might add value. So as you rightly describe, like in JAWS, you can go down a spreadsheet, but it's an extremely kind of linear process where you're going down all the values in one column to get an understanding of that. And then you move on to the next column and you go through very laboriously, you go through all of the data uh, in a very linear fashion. Whereas sonification, you could make column one a piano, column two like a bass, column three a trumpet. And by doing that, you're not necessarily expected to understand what every single note is trying to explain or relate to, it's much more useful to give a quick picture of what's in the data. Like a, a very quick summary is where sonification can add a lot of value. Uh, it allows you to hear what's happening in multiple columns at the same time and gain an overall view of ebbs and flows of information or things that change over time. Do they go up? Do they go down? Does something, you know, unexpected happen? 
And, you know, it, it can do that very, very quickly with a lot of information that trying to explain what's in that data to someone who only has a screen reader, it's going to take a lot more time to uh, allow any kind of overview or understanding to emerge from that information. Angie here is a piano player, so I think, Angie, you can understand this concept on how um, statistics can go up and down mm -hmm. depending on the notes with the piano. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a really good analogy. Um, yes. Say. So, Angie, I suppose where I'm coming from there is that statistics are math, and so is music. Mm -hmm. And where a piano will, you know, you could, like, if you think about any spreadsheet, you're really talking about zero to nine. Then what does a 10 sound like? Mm -hmm. What does a mi what does a minus sound like? Mm -hmm. And you map those variables uh, to simple note progressions. It doesn't have to be just pitch. If you're a musician, you'll know that there are other variables within music that uh, that things could be mapped to to help you understand uh, whether something's rising or falling. Okay. Yeah, and you sent in some samples to me. I'm going to definitely include these like towards the end of the podcast. Like I'll just, you know... Uh, towards the end of the episode, I should say, and I'll include that yeah. and just be like, here are some examples of sonification. Yeah, and, and maybe I could explain uh, for each why I sent them. Yeah. So I, I can do that now, and then you could just cut it in. Uh, yeah. If that's okay. That's fine. So, so one example I sent was a decade of data where people were calling up 311 complaints line in New York City to complain about rodents, like mice and rats in the city. And what we did there is we went through that data and we gave the different instruments. Uh, I think like the every time someone saw a mouse, it was a glockenspiel because that sounded kind of mousy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we gave a rat uh, a different sound. But within the data, we were able to see uh, that over the course of a decade, one extreme thing happened, I think, nine times, which was someone got bit by a rat in New York City. And what we did there was instead of uh, giving that a musical sound, we added a sound of a person saying, ow, every time that, that happened. So while you're listening to the music, it becomes very easy to pick out of that data set every time you hear someone screech, ow, that that means someone got bit by a rat. And in less than a minute, you can listen to an entire decade of data and hear when that happens. Whereas with JAWS, that's going to take you a very, very long time to, to find that out. And... Yes, it was a playful way of approaching the data, but when we played it to uh, 
an audience from the BVI community in New York City, they liked it a lot because they were like, yeah, they, this is useful. You know, they, this has uh, the potential to be something that adds a little bit of value to our online tools or our online experience. And that, so that that's trying to, that's tasked with trying to listen to a big amount of data and pick something out, uh, a very specific thing that's happening. That's mm -hmm. why I shared that example. Mm -hmm. The other example I shared was from the Basque country in Spain. And what they did was a manual kind of survey. They sent a survey to a bunch of people with 15 minute intervals over 24 hours and got people to fill in, what are you doing in these 15 minutes? Were you asleep on your way to work? Were you eating? You know, what, like what, what was happening? And they got all this information back and they had it, you know, something, they were tasked with the idea of, can we paint a picture of a day? What happens in a day with sound? And so by turning that into music, rather than trying to listen to that to pick out certain things, you're listening to it for a different reason. You're listening to it to kind of get a flavor of a place, uh, hear the ebb and flow of, okay, people are asleep now. Now you can hear them waking up. Now you can hear them going to work. And it brings the data to life in a way that's uh, entertaining and engaging because that's another strong thing that's coming through on the projects that I'm working on right now is that people seem to think that uh, the BVI community is just concerned with having access. But what I'm understanding is once you get beyond that, they have the same concerns as everyone else. They want to be, they want to listen to podcasts where the hosts are engaging and interesting and where the information is factual and adds value in some way, just like everyone else. You know, once we get beyond just talking about uh, access, we can realize that, you know, that our audiences are all interested in just quality content made well, delivered well, and, you know, put together on formats that uh, are easy to find and easy to use. Okay. Um, so that's really interesting, Hugh, about the samples you sent in. I can't wait to hear them. My yeah. next question for you is, how did you get involved with sonification? You mentioned how you are part of data-driven and stuff, but how did you hear about the issue of sonification and begin with that? Well, I came from a world of filmmaking and media where everything had sound. Like, since the 1920s, movies have had sound. 
Mm -hmm. And then when I moved into the field of data, I was working like everybody else for a while. I was working on the visualizing that data and my, my previous company were looking at how we could take that data from 2D images into 3D images using virtual reality headsets and, and that kind of new technology. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it became increasingly clear that what was missing was audio. And, you know, rather than just adding another dimension of visual, it became more and more interesting to me to add a whole new sense of hearing to either complement visuals or to work without visuals. And so essentially that's where it came from. And then when I looked at, you know, it's the 2020s and we're still looking at a whole massive industry of data that doesn't even employ audio in any meaningful way. Now, there's an example that everybody's uh, used to, which is GPS yep. in, in a vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you if you look at the strict definition of sonification, it says non-speech audio. I'm not interested in that definition. Uh, I don't think definitions are particularly helpful uh, in that sense when they exclude stuff. So I want to embrace uh, GPS as part of sonification because what it's doing is it's taking visual information from a map and, you know, turning that into sound where it becomes very usable for a driver that instead of hearing the whole map, it's being filtered to say, okay, in 500 feet, turn left or, mm -hmm. or whatever. So it that's an example of take something that's visual, turn it into sound, and it becomes massively useful to a huge amount of people to yeah. the point, yeah. To the point where everybody could use it, right? Exactly, and that's safely, and that, yeah, yeah, safely, and and that's where I believe we're gonna go with audio in general. That beyond vehicles, into just moving around a city, we're gonna audio is a much better way to get information than having people stare down at a tiny screen on a phone and then get hit by a car as they're crossing the street. Mm -hmm. Audio is a great way of. Uh, getting information to people. Mm -hmm. And then there, there's a lot of really cool stuff that's happening with audio right now. Like, you know, Apple have added spatial audio to their uh, Apple, you know, headphones. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, so, so that audio can come from different directions. And right yep. now they're really focused on music as a use case for that. But imagine being able to hear data or data about your environment and in the way that GPS does for people inside a car, imagine how useful that would be for people to tap into as, and I'm not just talking about the BVI community, I'm talking about everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so I actually have a pair of AirPods. Um, right. The second generation. And I love the uh, noise transparency feature. I love it because I'm yeah. able to listen to what's around me and listen to my phone at the same time. So I get what you're saying. And when you said about um, the like sonification not just being used by the blind community, but being used by everybody, that's called um, like uh, what's the word? I'm trying to think of the of the. We uh, had an episode about the curb it. Cut phenomenon. Just... Yes, the curb cut yeah. phenomenon. Like you know, it's not just useful for blind people, but it's useful for everybody. Um, you know, just like ramps, for example, are not just for somebody in a wheelchair, but they're useful for, like, a mom pushing a stroller or somebody pushing a cart. Um, see, see, uh, uh, the word I would use for that, Angie, is good design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, that's what I believe. I, I believe that accessible design is just good design. It's good practice. It's yeah. good coding. It's, you know, that it's that simple. Yeah. That design sh- should work for everybody, and that that that's why it's been so interesting for me working with people from uh, the the community to get their perspective. Because I'm I'm not talking to blind people saying how can I fix your problems. I'm talking to blind people saying, can you help me do this better? Can you bring your perspective to? better ways to use audio as a delivery mechanism for information you know what are we leaving out that we should be including Mm -hmm. Uh, you know things like that and and the conversations are really illuminating and i'm i'm learning that organizations when they approach accessibility think it's going to cost a lot of money and they're going to have to redesign everything And, and what i'm finding is that even a lot of simple fixes can make content more accessible and and probably more important, more inviting and welcoming for uh, BBI users. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I definitely think that uh, this is getting getting the perspective of the BVI community to make sure that when we build systems for a wider audience that we do it right. Uh, It's amazing listening to the National Federation for the Blind recount the cases where well-meaning people brought technology to the community that would have been a lot better had they involved the community in in the building in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, and and I think it's time for the perspective to be heard when, you know, all the big tech companies are looking at what are the next interfaces for computing. And and there's something else worth mentioning here, which is, um, you know, I, I think it'll be very powerful when, therefore, assistive technology and mainstream technology is one and the same, where something for a BVI user doesn't cost $15,000. It's just 
the new version of AirPods or it's in your phone or it's in, you know, everybody's Facebook or, or whatever, you know, I, I think price coming down is also uh, a very important thing that's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you think about it, like, you don't want something that can be accessible and used by everybody to cost so much money that, like, you know, not everybody could afford that, you know? Like, and you want it to to be something that everybody can use and that everybody can afford, that it could be available to everybody. I Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I, I love the fact that you want to make this accessible to all, but that you have the blind person in mind to get the blind person's perspective. And that's amazing to me. And I, I really commend you guys for that because that means a lot. Well, for us, it's just common sense. It's like kind of if I want to tell stories and communicate information without pictures, why don't I talk to people who don't have the luxury of the pictures in the first place? Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. people who have had to, you know, because uh, the the BVI community I'm finding are amazing innovators because they've had to build hacks for every single device that they use. They've had to, you know, work around the limitations so much that it's, Mm -hmm. that innovation is like second nature. Mm -hmm. And, And it's very inspiring to hear that perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, Hugh, you are not BVI, correct? No, I'm not. But uh, I'm just someone that's interested in uh, just better storytelling, which which is why I'm doing this. Uh, that you know, to me, this isn't even a, a BVI discussion. This is just. Uh, communications discussion that I'm having with people that are BVI. It, it's a broad discussion that BVI people need to be a part of. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. What made you get the idea of involving BVI feedback? Uh, to be honest, uh, I didn't initially uh, Google commissioned me a few years ago to build or, you know, run a project to build some sonification software for uh, the web. So we built some free and open source software to do sonification. Now, in that project, we weren't working with blind people. We, We didn't talk to blind people at all. And the project suffered as a result. The tool that was built is great, if you can see, but mm-hmm. it it's designed in a way that doesn't work with screen readers and that, in a sense, completely cuts out and removes access to the audience that I'm trying to include right now. So I'm trying to learn by my mistakes. I, I realized that 
we didn't do it right that time. And when we demoed what sonification could do to members of the blind community, they loved it. And obviously, I'd love them to be able to do this themselves. So then when I look back at how we designed the tool, I realized we'd made a mistake. And now we're in discussions around how to make that better. And that's why, you know, I, I need to talk to the community uh, to fix the things that should have been there in the first place. Okay. I see. That's awesome. So we use this podcast as an educational tool, obviously. Do you think that, like, just in your opinion, that once more people get educated in sonification, that it will be used more often? Uh, yes and no. I mean, kind of... Where I would love sonification to go is in the direction of things that you don't even need to be educated on, that they just work, you know, that, that they're just really simple, like like GPS, you know. It's a, I, I, I think before GPS would come out, had come out, I don't want to be sitting here saying, oh, we need to train everybody in how to make GPS. It's like the vast majority of people just want it to work and just want it to be in their phone or in their vehicle. And that's how I think about sonification. But what I, what I would like is for new tools for sonification to be usable by the BVI community for authoring sonifications, for being able to do that work themselves. and. That's what I'm hoping will make a difference in uh, the coming months and years is that we, we can make actual accessible tools for, for doing this. Now, some do exist. Uh, the University of Georgia, for instance, has been working on sonification projects with uh, the BVI community for decades. And... There's a conference online, it's, it's very heavy science, called ICAD, I-C-A-D, which is the International Community for Auditory Displays. And they've been running a conference since the 90s uh, where scientists have been publishing papers around sonification and what it can be used for. And... All of those papers are available online on their website. You can go back and see every academic paper that was presented at the conference going back to the 90s. And yes, it's heavy and it's scientific, but it's also very interesting. And, and when I took part in that, uh, just as a an attendee, I was listening to the sessions this year there seems to be a lot of work going on with uh, automobile companies, particularly in Europe. Takes a hey, there. Um, sorry, okay, my, 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 uh, my computer died. So could you repeat that again? <laughs> so you left off when you said that uh, something about doing and then it just my my uh, computer died and I don't know if it caught that. Uh, I'm so, sorry. 
Uh, I'll rewind a little bit. So I was talking about this international conference. Did you get that bit? Okay. So in that conference this year, it became clear that a few of the European automobile companies, I'll say that again. Okay, sorry. No problem, Kimberly. So in that, that ICAD conference this year, it became clear from uh, listening to the presentations that a few of the automobile companies uh, in Europe are looking at sonification and artificial intelligence with a view to doing research around would BVI people be able to drive self-driving cars using sonification and AI to be able to give alerts about the environment and what the data the cars were uh, responding to. So I, I actually found that quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Because, you know, when I talk about data, uh, everybody thinks tax returns and spreadsheets, but we live in a world where everything's going to be picking up data very soon. You know, cars, fridges, uh, lampposts on the street, all of these things now are going smart. And what they mean by smart is that they have the ability to both collect and share back data over the what's called the Internet of Things. So we're about to be living in cities where everything is capturing data all the time about pedestrians, about how self-driving cars navigate, uh, about air quality, all these different things. So the, the amount of data that we have right now on the web is about to multiply massively. And that's why sonification might be very useful as a way to communicate some of this, to be able to take some of this data and deliver it in a way that adds value to the residents of these cities or can be used in an emergency or whatever. And the problem is that if all of data is just images, it's not going to work on these systems. It's not going to work. You can't give audio updates of pictures in an effective way to people. So that that's where I think sonification could, in the coming years, add a lot of value. Mm -hmm. I agree. I yep. grew up with a vision that got me by, and I never thought of, I took for granted the pie charts that I saw and the bar charts I saw and things like that. Now that I can't see, it's like, yeah, how do I receive that information and things like that. One thing that I would love to see sonification be included is on the TV news somehow. Like when I was introduced to this group that I met you through, 
one of the like scenarios that was told me is how data gets told visually is like when through weather forecasts like the map on tv and you know they're just using a pointer and pointing at the different areas and saying this is at at such and such a place we're going to have this weather and that weather and stuff like that and it's like I cannot see that map, and if I don't know where that is in my state or area, I have no idea where they're pertaining to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I I have some vision um, myself, but I rely more on audio more than vision, so... Um, I'm an audio learner, definitely. Um, when I was, you know, like, for school and stuff like that, I mostly had my stuff, like, my materials. I usually had audiobooks. I had large print books. I mean, I wasn't taught Braille. Braille would have been very beneficial to me because that would have saved me from so much eye strain. But anyway, um, I had my books in audio format or I had my textbooks in electronic format um, that I could read with a you know screen reader um, so that information is valuable to me but like Kimberly said pie charts and graphs like or for example when they're talking about the weather um, even for me it's hard for me to see that information you know and it would save me a ton of eye fatigue by just listening to it. That's precisely what I'm talking about. Like, just what, to hear you describe that, it's like, I I think audio just needs to be there as an option. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it has to replace Braille or right. it has to replace a screen reader. Right. It's just, it, it's just another option. It's exactly. like, if you could... If you could hear the weather as like two musical tones and and understand what that was, uh, maybe that'd be useful to you. That's all I'm saying, and and maybe that's not a great example, but but just having the option for me seems like uh, it's a good idea rather than not having the option. You know, yeah. if everything's just visual, mm -hmm. I think we're we're missing a core element of a system that could actually be better. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, they have closed captioning. Now they're slowly going and in, getting into audio describing. It's not everywhere, everything, but it's like, seems like things for the blind are very much left out or an afterthought when it comes to accessibility and in these times it needs to not be an afterthought or not it should be included just period you know mm -hmm. I, I agree Kimberly I think like it's not just accessibility that's an afterthought. It's audio itself has been an afterthought on the web. The web's all built for typing. After that came pictures. Mm -hmm. We just haven't got to the audio renaissance yet, but we're very, very close. Like, think 
of the world we live in now, where people listen to books, that, that used to be thought of as something that blind people did. And now it's so popular. Uh, and podcasting that you're a part of, you know, using sonification as a way to bring in data to a podcast becomes a possibility where it wasn't a possibility before. And then audio assistants like Alexa and Siri. We're living in a very, we're living in a world now where people, it's very clear that people like to have an audio version of their information. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I think it's going to become more of a thing uh, because there, there's huge market demand for uh, being able to listen to things. Yep. I, I see enor- enormous potential for, uh, you know, like finding huge amounts of information that don't have any audio for me seems like a very ripe area for building new types of audience or engaging in new ways. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, because for me, like, when I talk to people in data, I'm like, so if it doesn't have any sound, like, think about that for a second. It it means it doesn't have, like, an alarm for when something really bad happens. Or, like, imagine if a fire alarm didn't have any sound. It just had blinking lights. Mm -hmm. It's just not as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and when I was in New York City, I, I've since moved to Vermont, so I, I no longer have this issue. But in New York City, I would hear the fire truck 30 seconds to a minute before I could see it. Yeah. So maybe audio used in data would let people understand that things are happening that they can't necessarily see. Or, or maybe that they can't see yet, you know? So for me, it, it just seems to add a whole new level of understanding to things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, also as podcasters, you know, if I said to you right now, I'd like you to use data in your podcast, short of reading it out, or having a screen reader do it, your options to do that are, are very limited. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it's we don't have all the answers. We don't know how to do this well. I'm still at the stage of arguing that we should do it at all, <laughs> that, you know, it might have some value. I think it has great value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, anything else that you, you want to add or anything else? Uh, I, I'm just delighted to be able to come on a podcast and, and talk about these things because, you know, a podcast by its very nature is doing exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah. people, are, and I'm sure you're finding as well too, that, uh, there's an audience for your podcast beyond your community. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think there's going to be much more of that, that we realize that 
when we take away barriers and we start including people, we realize that a lot of people are interested in just listening to other people's stories. Mm-hmm. And yes. I, I'm finding that more and more like I brought in, you know, BVI advisors to work with a Spanish language uh, radio show focused on mental health around the immigrant community. Oh, that's and awesome. It did, but it didn't seem like that was a natural fit. And what ended up happening was that the, a lot of the BVI advisors said they were super interested in what was going on in the immigrant community and vice versa. The host of the podcast was extremely interested in the stories, the personal stories coming out of the BVI community. So I think that uh, audio is a great way of connecting people. And, and once we get through the technical stuff like like to me talking about sonification feels like it's it sounds too difficult and complicated it sounds like talking about what kind of microphone to use mm-hmm. whereas once we get past that we realize that what we're talking about is is storytelling and connecting with people and making people feel welcome yep yep exactly yeah i was I was so excited to have you come on too, because I was telling Angie, I'm like, look, I'm a part of this project and I'm learning about sonification and it's a really good topic for us to talk about because yeah, they're having BVI advisors with it, but it includes the blind community as a whole and we can relate and that's why you guys are having us as advisors and I think educating other blind people and just communities in general on this topic and informing them and spelling it out for them like I had no idea what sonification was like I don't think anyone who I asked knows what sonification is but if we can get the term out there and help spread the message on what it does and yeah this can help and this is a resolution like this is a thing that should be incorporated in everyday storytelling and facts and figures and stuff it it can help a lot of people yeah yeah and I I just want to thank you for coming on here Hugh um and obviously thank Kimberly for um, inviting you to come on because when Kimberly told me about this, I was just like, I have no idea what this is, but I want to know more about it. And um, thank you, Kimberly, for coordinating this with Hugh and for introducing me to Hugh. And thank you, Hugh, for telling us about sonification. I've learned a lot today. And I can't wait for everybody else to learn about it. Just from the from that point of view, we're you know our company is called Sonify S O N I F Y, and on the web that's Sonify dot I O. So S O N I F Y dot I O, and on Twitter we're Sonify Data is our username on Twitter. So if we're interested in just 
having conversations and and uh, connecting with people. So if any of your listeners want to connect on Twitter or send an email or see what's going on, we're going to... Uh, we're going to upload links to things that we find interesting more often on our Twitter uh, in the next weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Hugh. So hear that, people? Um, you can follow them on Twitter, and you could also go to their webpage and email if you want to learn more about sonification. Um, any last parting words before we end the episode, Hugh, Kimberly? Uh, I just wanted to say thanks again for bringing me on. Uh, I I really like what you're doing, and I, and, uh, I was delighted to get the invitation. Thank you. You're welcome. That's all I have. All right. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you, Kimberly. Um, I've definitely learned a lot about sonification, and I hope that you guys did too. Um well, this is all for now. You guys know where to find us. We are on Facebook, Twitter. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts, and on TuneIn. So, goodbye, everybody, and tune in next time. Bye. Bye.